According to Robert Bly, Rilke says that if a man walks toward that inner space, he will free his children. Hello, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi, welcoming you to Deep South Dharma Podcast. Today's episode is being released on the morning of March 1st, 2020, and that means that tonight at 7 p.m. Central Time is the live occurrence of my webinar, Time to Breathe, When Your Loved One is in Treatment. If you are interested in being there live with me to help shape the webinar somewhat with your questions, um, it would be wonderful for you to go ahead and register for that and attend live. If it turns out that you're not able to attend live, you will still receive a link that will allow you to watch the recorded webinar, but it would be fun to have you um, live with me. The link to um, registration and information is in the description of this podcast. If you happen to listen on one of those platforms where the link does not light up, on your, um, on your phone or on your device, then you can just look on Facebook for my professional um, page, uh, Christy Bates LPC page. So if you just go on Facebook and search Christy Bates Counseling, that'll take you to the Facebook page where um, it should be just pinned at the top is the um, description and the link to that webinar. And you can take it from there. In uh, a couple of weeks, um, just a reminder, we have our Deep South Dharma, we have our retreat with Flowering Lotus Meditation. I'll be teaching a retreat called In Harmony with Reality at the Homestead Education Center in Starkville, Mississippi, hosted by Flowering Lotus Meditation on March 20th through 22nd. Would love to have you there with us if you're able to make that. And for information and registration, That website is floweringlotusmeditation.org. Then just a little bug in your ear about uh, at the end of April, um, co-facilitator Jaya Judy Seeley um, and I will be participating in an Earth Day event in Oxford. And so as I get more info about that, I'll be sharing it with you, but that'll be coming up later this spring. For now... I will share with you um, on this topic that we discussed in last Saturday's practice group on Dharma practice, Rainer Maria Rilke, and Robert Bly. I'm calling this week's talk Dharma Practice, Rilke, and Robert Bly. It started because there was a particular paragraph that I had read many years ago, and 
from the book Selected Poems of Rainer Maria Rilke. It's a translated, uh, translation from the German and commentary by Robert Bly. I had read this um, many years ago, but I was speaking with someone who is living a creative life, often feeling out of step with sort of more conventional life going on around her. And there was a particular paragraph, uh, and I had long since loaned or, or lost or given away this book. And um, so I, I reordered the book <laughs> for this particular paragraph, but also because I did and do um, enjoy and love the book. So there are several things that I want to share with you um, from both Robert Bly's commentary and um, a couple of the writings of Rilke that are, are included, the translations of these. And, um, and I think some of it will be self-evident as to what it has to do with Dharma practice, especially for those of us practicing in the Deep South. Um, but we'll just explore it a little bit. So the first thing I want to pull from is that um, Robert Bly speaks of the fact that, um, or at least according to Robert Bly, Rilke says that if a man war walks toward that inner space, he will free his children. So we're going to come back to that in a little bit um, because the question is freeing his children from what? Um, he says Rilke knows what Tol Tolstoy knows in the death of Ivan Illich, that our day-by-day -day life with its familiar, with its patterns and familiar objects can become a husk that blocks anything fresh from coming in. Before the Industrial Revolution brought its various creature comforts, it is conceivable that the shocks of winter cold, so sudden poverties, plague, brutal invasions, abrupt, unexplainable deaths regularly broke the husk. In our time, the husk is strong. Now, I would argue that we are living in a time where that husk is more frequently being broken for us by the events that are occurring. Um, not as many of us are able to stay comfortably within the husk, unaware of plague, viruses, injustices, climate change, all of that. Um, but even, even in this time where so much is, it feels like so much is in our face, it feels, maybe for some of us, it feels like the husk is obliterated, we still continue to find that our habits, our habits of perception, our habits of routine, our habits of keeping ourselves swaddled in entertainments um, can, can sort of keep reifying this sense of the husk around us that keeps us out of touch with, um, with reality so that anything that's outside of that husk seems especially threatening rather than developing the inner resources that we need to meet whatever is outside. So here is, here is the paragraph um, that caused me to reorder this book after all these years. 
he makes reference to a poem called The Solitary Person that, that I'll read later um, in this talk. But this is Robert Bly again speaking of Rilke. His poem, The Solitary Person, helped me so much in my 20s. Like many others of my generation, I was trying to live for my talent or maybe for the infinite with almost no money in a rented room with one chair and a table, not talking. What a shock it was to go home for Thanksgiving. The sofas and the self-confident turkey said that the life I was leading was wrong. They were right. But Rilke's poems say to the young man or woman that the, quote, objectless, unquote, life they are leading is not wrong. The not fitting in they experience comes from the best part of themselves, not the weakest part. And the pain is the cracking of the walls as the room grows. So in this paragraph, what he later refers to as a husk is like this room that can grow bigger um, to accommodate more. And so this sense of, you know, of course, not many of us, I mean, maybe some of us, but not many of us are living with, you know, a chair and a table and one lamp. We're not living in, in that degree of austerity, but we may find that if we are dedicated to a life of developing mindfulness, we may often find our step, ourselves out of step with other people and feeling odd. And when we go into different settings, we can feel that feeling of not fitting. Um, and part of what is being pointed out here is that the sense of uh, not quite fitting in the world is, um, is automatically, uh, because it, we experience it as something unpleasant, right? The feeling tone around not fitting in is unpleasant. And that very quickly in our mind gets translated into I'm wrong. I'm out of step. It reminds me, you know, I, uh, the word dukkha um, that in, gets translated to from the Pali language into our English word suffering, um, which is an incomplete translation. Sometimes it more it gets translated as stress, that kind of thing. Um, I remember hearing a teaching that the literal meaning of dukkha has to do with um, with sort of the, the axle and uh, wheel not fitting together well. And so that sense of not fitting um, in a world where, in a world that is constantly uh, trying to invite us to create, uh, create our own little cocoon of distractions and entertainments, um, and not that I... I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with having a little balance, with having a little breather um, from intensity. Um, in fact, developing a mindful life is all about developing a sense of a breather and, and um, being more at ease with intensity as it comes and goes. But, but in a world that is constantly training us to keep ourselves busy with attaining things, buying things, owning things, maintaining things, um, replacing things, rating things, rating ourselves by how many things we have, and on and on and on. Um, we can really 
feel very out of touch with that and yet not know what the source of our discomfort is. I want to share now the poem that Robert Bly is referring to in that paragraph called The Solitary Person. Among so many people cozy in their homes, I am like a man who explores far-off oceans. Days with full stomachs stand on their tables. I see a distant land full of images. I sense another world close to me, perhaps no more lived in than the moon. They, however, never let a feeling alone, and all the words they use are so worn. The living things I brought back with me hardly peep out compared with all they own. In their native country, they were wild. Here, they hold their breath from shame. So sometimes when we are enjoying our explorations in our meditation practice and our contemplations, um, and sometimes we can carry these lovely insights we have into situations where all of a sudden we realize, oh, this really isn't, this isn't a place that I feel like I can share this, or I'm not sure that I uh, speak a language that can communicate here. Um, and that is, I think, the experience of many, many people, um, obviously many people all over the world, but in for the purposes of this podcast and our group, Deep South Dharma, this is the experience of many people that um, connect with us in some way or another, especially in this part of the country where, um, on the one hand, you know, when we were speaking a couple of weeks ago about noble friendship, on the one hand, we can find people who have values that are closer to ours. They're not necessarily in the same tradition we're in, um, and yet it still feels like a pretty exclusive group of people um, that are interested in some of these things that we're interested in. And so it's valuable sometimes to utilize um, what in Christian literature is referred to as the cloud of witnesses. So the cloud of witnesses um, in the New Testament refers to those that have gone before us. We may or may not have ever met them personally. Um, and this is, I do find that the work of creative people who we may never meet or may never have met um, can be of great support to us in helping us feel um, plugged in to the reality that there is this sense of something more. And, um, you know, so much of the chasing that people do in this life is trying to chase a sense of groundedness in a life where things are ungrounded, where things are constantly changing. But that search for something reliable is a valid search. Um, and it just, it is that, if we continue the search, it does take us outside of that husk. That husk has to break open 
that room that we're in is probably going to have to grow in some way. Doesn't necessarily mean that we will leave a situation that we're in, but it may be that our understanding of that situation has to grow a great deal to encompass um, this larger interior space. So, you know, I mentioned earlier that um, Rilke quote, uh, or Robert Bly quoting, um, summarizing Rilke as saying, if a man walks toward that inner space, he will free his children. I think many of the people that are interested in um, spiritual development, personal development of some sort or another, um, do have an intuitive sense or maybe even have experiential sense of how that doing that project does help lift some weight off of their children or may help prevent some weights from being passed along to children. But I also want us to be aware of this, not only in terms of literal children that you may or may not have, but in terms of um, karmic influences, that um, this stream of consciousness that you are working with, that that how you choose to use your time in conditioning this stream of consciousness and training it, it will have its, its continuation in some form or other. And how do, how do the effects of what you do ripple out? Um, those effects of your, of your volitional actions um, are your children as much as your biological children are. And so when we walk toward that inner space, that that place in us that is not about what can be attained or um, glamorized or objectified in the world, but that is about finding that, that search for finding something reliable beyond all of that, um, we do free the, um, the, the children, so to speak. So those are just some um, reflections that came up in our um, group meeting last Saturday, and I wanted to share them with uh, more of you that don't get a chance, or, and some of you that are far away that never get a chance to, and some of you that are nearby that maybe didn't get a chance to be with us um, last week. Giving yourself a moment, um, I want to share one other piece um, from this of Rilke's writing that I think is just beautiful. We'll end with this, and um, I'll share this with you, and we'll sit with it for just a minute before the bell rings. I live my life in growing orbits, which move out over the things of the world. Perhaps I can never achieve the last but that will be my attempt. I am circling around God, around the ancient tower, and I have been circling for a thousand years, and I still don't know if I am a falcon or a storm or a great song.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma Podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.